0: The Kutta is Chelik Tzvov Parsha Sicha Aleph, a summary of the Parsha. In explaining the uh, what we find at the beginning of Parsha Yeshev and at the end of Parsha V'yishav, that at the end of Parsha V'yishav it talks about Eilu Alufay Edaim story of the settling in of uh, of Esav and his children, and then at the beginning of Parsha VeYeshiv it starts talking about Yaakov and his story as it's called Yeshuva Yaakov, the settling in and uh, how y- the, the story of Yaakov developed, our sages bring a moshul. They say there was a king that had a diamond that was a b'techa b'techa tzerez, that was thrown into, somehow it ended up in the sand and in the pebbles. So the king had to look for through the sand and through the pebbles in order to extract the diamond. As soon as, he finds the, uh, as soon as he finds the diamond, he left the sand and the pebbles and he deals with the diamond. So also, first he had to tell the story of Esau because the diamond Yaakov is integrated with the story of Esau. As soon as he finishes, as, he, as soon as he gets to Yaakov, the story of Esau stops. He no longer tells that story and it continues from now on only the story of Yaakov. Which is something that we find in the Medish also in regards to the ten generations from Adam through Noyach, which the, uh, the ten generations, the Torah simply whizzes through them, just telling you the names of the people, father, son, father, son, and so on, till it gets to Noyach, and then it tells the whole story of Noyach. Then there's ten generations of, uh, between Noyach and Avram, again, just tells you the names, and then it gets to Avram, it tells you the story of Avram so we have to understand about this because we, it, this Marshall seems to fit better for the story like the ten generations between uh, Adam and Noyach and Noyach Tavram because in order to get from Adam to Neyach you have to know how it got there so you need the ten names how they got there and the same with uh, Noyach Tavram but Yaakov was a descendant of y- he was the son of Yitzchak so why do we have to tell the story of Esau in order to understand the story of Yaakov which we can understand at least some of the part, there are certain parts of Esau's lives which were integrated like the brachas and the v'chayra and certain things like that where they crossed over into each other's lives. But in a general sense, what do we need to know the story of Esau in order to be able to get to the story of Yaakov? And especially the end of Ayishlach talks about the generations of kings that, uh, that came from Esau and that is talking about kings that went all the way out to the generation of Shaul Amalek, which is hundreds of years later. And at that point, there was absolutely no crossover between Yaakov and Asaph's story. So, why do we need to know all that in order to understand the, the story of Yaakov? And why does that call that the diamond was within, was lost within the story, you know, within the d- dust? The dust is, the sand is Asaph. Why is that? Why is the story of Yaakov in the story of Esau? Lost in the story of Esau? Also, there's details in the mushel that need to be understood. Why does the the, the Marshal talk about sand and pebbles? Why does he have to name two things in which the diamond was lost? Why does it say that once the king found the diamond, he left the sand and the pebbles, and he dealt with the diamond? That's self-understood that is the moment he finds the diamond, everything else is of no interest. So it could have said, he, left, he found the diamond, he left everything else. Not he set aside or he threw aside the sand and the pebbles. Why does he have to say that? From that it seems as if there is an important aspect of finding the diamond is throwing away the sand and throwing away the pebbles. So what is that? Also interesting that when Rashi says this muscle, he he starts with the sand only. He says the diamond fell into the sand so he feels around in the sand and then at the end, once he found the diamond, he throws away the pebbles. Suddenly it changes to the pebbles and he doesn't talk about the sand anymore. So the explanation is the, what we talk about Yeshuvah Yaakov, the settling of Yaakov, the story of ya- Yaakov's story, it's not just talking about when, uh, the way Yaakov settled into Edz Yisrael during his lifetime. The story of Yaakov goes all the way to what is called what Yaakov said to Esau when he met up with Esau, and he said, I, you go ahead and I will meet up with you Seira, in Seir. So Rashi explains, what do you mean meet up with Esau in Seir? He never went to Seir. He's talking about, there will come a day in the time of Mashiach when we will go up to Sahar Seir to judge Har Seir, and to elevate Har that's what he's talking about. In other words, the story of Yeshua Yaakov is really the story of what happens all the way till Mashiach. And in that story, there is very much an integration of Yaakov's story with Asa's story, because all of that happens throughout the generations of Golis. It's through the Aveda of Golis that we are able to finally reach the elevation of Esav in Har And until that time, Yaakov's story is buried in the story of Esau it's we're in Golos and we're in the, amongst the people of Esau and so on so therefore there is the diamond which is lost in Esau all the way out to that time and that's why the, the Torah also tells the story of the, ten, of the kings that were kings until Shoal because Shoal is the first Mashiach Hashem, That he was the first one that was anointed as the king and if we had merited then that would have been the final Geula. Shaul would have been the, the king Mashiach. And that would have, then we would have gone Ba'ol Mashiach and And so therefore, the Torah tells you all that story up until the time of Eshol, because that was where Yaakov was lost in the mess of Esau. That explains why the mushel has the sand and the pebbles. The sand refers, there are two ways in which we refine the world of Asa. The world of Asa means the physical world, the world in which godliness is, is obscured and, and hidden, and we have to bring out the nitsitsitskhtusha, the holiness that is found throughout the world. There are two ways in which this can be done. One, or two ways, two approaches to the physical world, to the world of Asa. One is sand. Sand is harmless it is neutral it of course it obscures holiness it obscures the fact that hashem godliness is within everything in in gashmias but you can approach it you can deal with it you can extract the holiness you can show the holiness in it and then the sand becomes useful you can use sand for positive things as well as we know that the peel the clipper it has a dual purpose. It, uh, it's true, it blocks, the, it blocks access to the fruit, and you have to remove the peel in order to get to the fruit. But it's there in order to, to protect the fruit. So it has a positive side to it as well. But then there is something which is uh, alluded to by tsreiris, which means pebbles. In the Gemara, when it talks about the harm, the damages that an animal can cause, it talks about that an animal kicks up pebbles. Tsreiris is something which is associated with Causing harm and damage, that's talking about the aspect of gashmius, which is beyond our reach. It is thoroughly evil, and therefore we have no access to it at all, and we're not meant to approach it. We're not. We're meant to completely reject it. Those are the tzurus. So, in order for Yaakov to be able to reach his ultimate perfection, that comes through elevating esav. That's why, as we are told by the Alter Rebbe. Why is it that a, a human being has to eat, has to lower himself, to eat things which are on a lower level water and animals and, and plants? Why do I have to come down? Why do I have to depend on them for life? The reason is because they have a higher source than we have. They come from the world of Tayu, and we come from the world of Tikkun. therefore, we need their power to be able to be ingested by us in order to be able to give us life. So also, Aof comes from the world of Tayu. That's why he's called Verav, the greater one, the older one. That's why he was born first, because he comes from a higher source. Yaakov is called the Tzoyer, the younger one. But in the end, we have to bring about that Verav, Yav, Tzoyer, that the the greater one has to serve the younger one, meaning that Yaakov should be able to elevate Esau and therefore get the benefit of the source of Esau, which is the world of Toyu, and therefore be elevated also himself, Yaakov also is elevated to the world of Tayu because of this elevation that he brings to Asa. which is also the reason that the Pasek lists all of those kings that uh, that were kings of Esau throughout those generations because they were the kings, they, they drew their power from the kings on high, from the world of Tayu, and in order to be able and they, that's why the Pasek says these were kings before there were kings amongst the Jewish people which only started with Shaul. Because they came from Tayu, and the Jewish kings come from Tikkun, and therefore they came first. To explain the uh, that once you reach the diamond, you have to toss away the sand and the tzreiris. So we already explained that the tzreiris, which means the pebbles have to be tossed away completely, because they represent what is ultimately evil, and cannot be... Uh, elevated through us, only perhaps through tshuva, if somebody failed and and did eat something, or did do something negative, through tshuva you can still elevate it, but in regular, we're not meant to go that way. But even when it comes to the sand, the only way that a yid is able to properly elevate the gashmias that he deals with, means to extract the holiness, is only if you recognize that the purpose of it is only to extract the holiness. Once you have the holiness, once you have the diamond, the rest has to be tossed away. We have to recognize that the magashmi has no value of its own. Its only value is that it has godliness buried in it. Once you have the godliness, the rest has to be tossed aside. That's a part of the avodah. And this type of Aveda, of n- not giving any value to the, phys- to the Gashmizdika world, that's only something that started from Yaakov. That's why the mushal is only said in re- reference to Yaakov, and Rashi doesn't bring it in the story of Adam and Noyach. Back there, he doesn't tell this mushal. Why not? Because Avram and Noyach dealt with elevating the world. Noyach was there in order to bring stability to the world, that there shouldn't be this chaos that was going on in his time. And that's why Hashem said to him, after he committed himself to him, I will never destroy the world, because that was Noyach's Avedah to elevate the world. Even Avram, his aveda was to bring godliness into the world, but the world still continued to exist. There was no ability to dismiss the world at that time. Because the the level of godliness that transcends the world was never brought into the world at that time. That only started by Matan Torah when Hashem allowed that the godliness that transcends the world should uh, penetrate the world. Now we can see there is already the ability to see that there is something. The world has no real value because now we are in touch in touch with the godliness which transcends it. So therefore Yaakov who was the who was the preparation for matan as we see, that since Golis Mitzrayim was the necessary preparation for matan and Yaakov was the first one to go into Golis, that's how it all started. So Yaakov's Zaveda was preparing the world for, for uh, Matan-Tayra, so uh, Yaakov there was already the ability to see that everything else has to be tossed aside, there's no value to the world at all, only the Margolis, only the godliness that we're here to extract. And for this reason, that as soon as you find the godliness, you have to toss away everything else, that's why the Yidden had to be rushed out of Mitzrayim. Because the question could be asked, why did the Yidden have to rush out of Mitzrayim? At that time, they were already not enslaved anymore, once the Makkah started. And they lived in the best part of Mitzrayim, Eretz Goshen So why was there such a necessity for them to rush out? And the answer is, the moment that the mission is over, the moment that they were successful in extracting all the godliness that there was to be gotten from Mitzrayim, there was nothing left to do there. They have to leave immediately. Mashlich, as offered you have to toss everything aside. And the same will happen in the Geulam, Mitzvah Shleimah, which should be momentarily with Mashiach, that the moment that the mission is over, the will redeem us immediately without any delay.